Hi everyone, Griffin Marie here and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on the volatility in equity markets, including catalysts for this week's turbulent market performance, positioning guidance, and of course, a preview of next week. I am excited to be joined today by Nadia Lovell, a senior equity strategist from the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Nadia, it's great to be with you and looking forward to our conversation today. It's great to be here. Great to be with you too, Nadia. So as you know, volatility returned to global equity markets over the past week. Can you walk us through some of your observations in terms of what drove this week's price action for U.S. stocks? Yes, absolutely. We saw our market spike in volatility with the volatility index jumping over 65% earlier this week. The S&P pulled back 4% in just three days from its record high set last Friday. That's the worst three-day period that we've seen since late October. The biggest driver of all of this was continued market concerns around rising inflation, which was made worse by the surge in the Consumer Price Index for April that was reported on Wednesday. The Consumer Price Index for April jumped 0.8% month over month. That's well above the consensus expectations for 0.2%. Now, core CPI, which excludes food and energy prices, as these tend to be a bit more volatile, was up 0.9%. This is the highest monthly increase that we've seen in nearly 40 years. So it rattled markets as there are concerns that the higher inflation could adversely impact corporate profit margins. And also the market is worried that the Federal Reserve, which has been very accommodative during the pandemic, might have to remove some of that accommodation sooner than expected. So while the market as a whole was down over 2% on Wednesday, long-duration equities like tech that have more elevated valuation and some areas tied to the reopening like consumer discretionary led to downside and were down more. Now, all that said, we think that the sell-off was overdone, and we don't think that this one CPI reading will change the Fed's accommodative stance, as the Fed has been communicating now for some time that inflation is expected to run hot, particularly due to that base effect coming off of that low base from a year ago. We do expect the spike in inflation will continue over the next couple of months as the economy reopens. But we also believe that it will prove to be transitory. Now, here's why. In the April numbers specifically, three items, used cars, hotels, and airfares, accounted for more than half of the increase in CPI number. So it isn't surprising that as the economy reopens and more people are vaccinated and mobility increases, that hotel prices and airfares are rebounded. But they still remain below their pandemic, their pre-pandemic level. Now, the jump in used prices is uh, used car prices is due partly to that global chip shortage, which we think will abate as we get into the back half of the year. So we don't think that this temporary surge in inflation is a bad thing, as we believe it more points to the strength of the economic recovery, which, in all overall, is positive for markets. We'll continue to monitor, of course, as will the rest of the market. Um, and we do expect inflation to normalize 
as we enter into the fall season. Uh, we have been positioned for reflation in recent months, and we would advise using these bouts of market volatilities to really add to those beneficiaries of high inflation, like energy, financials, and commodities, as well as continue to build some uh, exposure to the longer-term secular structural win uh, winners. Nadia, a terrific summary of, of this week's market developments. And staying on this point, the, the selling pressure in equities came as earnings season is wrapping up. So my next question is for a status update on corporate earnings. What are your conclusions uh, for Q1 reporting thus far? Yes, you know, we are in the home stretch of the earnings season with over 90% of the S&P companies having reported. Our results has been exceptionally strong with record level beat rates. Over 85% of companies beat consensus earnings expectations. Earnings growth is coming in at 50% year over year. Now that's nearly two times the expected growth at the start of the season and the highest quarterly earnings growth rate since the first quarter of 2010. Sales growth is also solid at about 10%. Uh, while the strength was seen across most of the sectors, cyclical earnings in particular saw a sharp rebound with financials and consumer discretionary, each posting well over 100% year-over-year EPS growth. Management teams in general are optimistic about the reopening in the second half of the year, Though much of the full-year 2021 guidances that we have seen are largely driven by that Q1 fees. But, you know, it isn't unusual to see management teams be more conservative on guidance this early in the calendar year. Some of the topics that dominated earnings calls this season include, no surprise, inflation. Um, that's been driven by the well-known chip shortage as we've been talking about mm -hmm. for several weeks now higher transportation costs, higher raw material costs, and higher labor. But I will say the operating leverage that's been driven by that strong top-line sales growth that I talked about earlier and some cost-saving initiatives is more than offsetting the inflationary pressures on profit margin. So we actually saw margin expansion for most companies, and that's expected to continue. You know, overall coming out of the, the, the quarter consensus EPS estimates for 2021 did move higher, and we expect that trend to continue. We still think that the consensus estimates for 2021 are still too low and not reflecting the overall strength of the economy. Know, Griff, that as, as we know, the market response to the robust Q1 earnings have been more muted. Uh, it's clear that the market moved ahead of consensus expectations as the S&P was up about 5% in the first half of April as the market was digesting those strong March economic data. This is a recent pattern that we've seen. We saw a similar trend in Q4 earnings as well. Big beat, but muted market response. But when you pull back the lens, you see that the market glides higher after. Mm -hmm. We think the thing here as we enter the back half of the year and the economy reopens more broadly. Building off of all this, Nadia, can you remind our listeners of CIO's positioning guidelines and outlook for equities going forward? Yes, absolutely. You know, we remain constructive on the outlook for equity markets, um, and we see room for further upside from here. We just think that there are a lot of things to be optimistic about in our view. You know, one, economic growth remains strong and it's accelerated. Two, 
U.S. vaccination is progressing, and expectation is by the time we get to the summer, the vast majority of the population would have, would have already received at least one shot. Three, the earnings momentum that I just talked about remains robust with blockbuster Q1 reporting season, and earnings are moving up. So we are looking for um, the S&P 500 to reach 4,400 by year end. So that's roughly about 7% upside from current levels. And from a sector standpoint, we continue to like cyclical sectors, more cyclical oriented sectors. We have a preference for energy, financials, industrials, and consumer discretionary, while we are avoiding some of the more defensive sectors like consumer staples and utilities. Now, you know, consumer discretionary should be helped by the reopening and overall improvement in the labor market that we expect to happen, uh, you know, once we hit September more fully. Energy should continue to get a boost from rising oil prices and energy companies have been more disciplined on the capital allocation side. Financial probability should continue to improve as we get they'll get a lift from the rising interest rates and also an overall pickup in the economy should help drive loan growth. And in industrials, we think that there's still room for this sector to catch up to the rebound that we have been seeing in business sentiments. The aerospace and transportation segment still remains somewhat depressed, and so that could be a source of upside. Now, like I said, we remain cautious on consumer staples and utilities as the earnings growth for these more classic defensive sectors are likely to trail the overall broader market this year. And I would say from a uh, style standpoint, we have a preference to value over growth. Uh, This is also reflected in our sector positioning. And from a style standpoint, we continue to like small to mid-cat companies given their highest sensitivity to solid economic growth. Um, I will note that small cap has pulled back recently, and we would use that opportunity to, to add some exposure. Shifting gears here, are there any notable macro data points you want to recap for us? You know, like I talked about earlier, the hotter um, consumer price index um, earlier, uh, we also saw a similar trend with a hotter than expected um, producer price index print on Thursday. But I would say, you know, on a positive data point that we did get this week on Thursday was initial jobless claim from last week fell to a new pandemic low. And, you know, that's yet another sign to, to us that the economy is recovering well. Um, today, we got retail sales numbers, uh, which were flat in April versus expectation for a slight gain. But we feel good about the outlook for consumer spending. Uh, we really think that there's pent-up demand and that higher saving rates uh, are really likely to be unleashed um, as a consumer. And we expect to see a consumer-led recovery into Q2 and also into the second half of, uh, of this year. Thank you for the recap of this week. Now shifting to the uh, preview portion. As investors prepare for the week ahead, what should be on the top of their minds? So next week, uh, we are seeing further easing of COVID restrictions, not only here at home in the U.S., but also overseas in parts of, of Europe. I mean, from a macro standpoint, next week we'll get housing data, including building permits and housing starts. As we know, the housing market has been red hot. Um, so we'll be watching those numbers closely to see if there's a continuation of that in there and if the supply 
can eventually meet that demand. We'll also get FOMC meeting minutes for the April meeting, and so that will give us some, a little bit more information around some of the things discussed in that meeting. We'll also get PMI data will be out next Friday, which will provide some more clues on how the recovery is progressing. And I would say over the next couple of weeks, Griff, um, there will be a slew of industry conferences from financial services to tech um, that will provide some insight on how Q2 is going for companies. And this is very important for us. You know, what I will leave you with, though, um, uh, Griff, just an overall theme, I think while there will be um, periods of increased volatility in coming months, we do think that this new bull market remains on solid footing, and the trend of the market is, is up. So we would be buyers of dips, which are likely to be shallow in our view and short-lived. So we encourage um, you know, our clients to take advantage of those opportunities. Absolutely, Nadia. And what a fantastic conversation today on what has been yet another fascinating week on the street. Uh, we thank you for joining us today and sharing your insights, and we look forward to having you back on sometime soon. Thank you, Griff. Again, we have been joined today by Nadia Lovell, a senior equity strategist, Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office authors a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com slash CIO. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about or receive a copy of any of the publications and blogs directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes and Spotify. Visit UBS.com studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the UBS trending video series. So from UBS Studios, I'm Griffin Marie, and thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.